For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. The papers this morning talk of weather-related matters. Uh, the Independent this morning gets straight to the matter. They say sub-zero blast brings cold to spell in years. In fact, they compare it uh, to the coldest weather since Storm Emma four years ago as Ireland experiences sub-zero temperatures. Uh, from today, we got this Arctic air mass moving uh, over the country, bringing the coldest weather, and it's coming down from the north. And the cold snap hits hard, according to the Echo today. In all fairness now to all of the staff and workers at uh, Simon, they really have done, uh, well, the best they can do, I suppose, um, under the circumstances of which limits them with their square footage and their and their footprint there. But they've expanded the hours of the nightlight service because we have so many rough sleepers and they're trying to get as many indoor as they can. Um, City Council, of course, found wanting with the, all of their property and indeed even City Hall itself and going around taking people's tents and what have you. So the organisation that is Simon uh, are offering mattresses on the floors of the day facility now for those uh, that haven't got a bed or can't get a bed. So because of the temperatures plummeting, um, they've repurposed the day room, according to Sarah Horgan and the Echo today um, at the Anderson's Key facility so they can accommodate rough sleepers there in the day room during the dangerous weather period. Normally, they operate each night from 11 until 8 in the morning, 11 p.m. to 8 in the morning. But the new initiative, in fairness to them, is a 24-hour initiative. So it's round the clock in a bid to protect Cork's homeless community. And I suppose people should think of Simon when they're, when they're fundraising, when Simon are fundraising. Cher also continued to do sterling work. That story makes the echo today, yesterday. And Claire from this programme was at the lunch yesterday. More on that next week. But they had their annual Christmas lunch yesterday for residents um, of Cher facilities and indeed the student volunteers um, and they help elderly they got like at this stage now 140 homes for elderly people across Cork in seven different locations that's worth repeating 140 share built and provided homes and the students visit those in those homes on a weekly basis when they're not doing that they're fundraising to support the service and the annual share Christmas street collection will be launched with the uh, um, crib as well on Patrick Street of the crib next Wednesday uh, the uh, 14th at 5.45. So um, the countdown is on for Share 2022. It's an interesting couple of stories from, from the courts. You might remember the uh, story of Finton Tindley from Mahan. Uh, he appeared at Cork District Court by video link from prison yesterday. Now, he's accused of carrying out three post office raids. Um, the accusation uh, laid against him is that he was hoping to get the, as much money as he could to travel to America to meet his fiance. Well, he is applying for bail. Now, the guardy objected to bail as a flight risk recently, uh, but uh, he's hoping to be released on bail by the High Court. So he's taken his bail application uh, to the High Court, and that's one that's worth watching. And then there's a bizarre story out of Mahan where a garden gnome was allegedly thrown, and this is from the Echo Court Reports, Liam Healam was there, a garden gnome allegedly thrown at a woman's head when she responded to a knock on the front door of her home uh, at, um, is it three in the morning? Three in the morning, woman was in bed apparently. Um, now, this is an accusation before the courts, as a Laura Malone from St. Michael's Lawn charged with assaulting, causing harm to another woman. The injured partner, the woman in the house, uh, said she opened the door at three in the morning uh, and uh, she claims that um, Laura Malone was, uh, she was actually, she was at home herself in bed and she heard loud banging at her front door and she looked out and she saw her friend and neighbour Laura Malone outside. She went to answer the front door and Miss Malone was standing four or five feet away with her hands behind her back and she said, do you want to fight? Without warning, she threw a precast garden gnome 
at the householder, striking her in the head. She then had to be taken by ambulance to Cork University Hospital from Mahan to the CUH for stitching and what have you. Uh, and that was before Judge Olin Keller. He adjourned the case uh, until January of next year. Not quite sure how that's going to play out in court with him. I'm sure he's going to give that one a lot of thought. But uh, three o'clock in the morning, throwing a garden gnome at a neighbour. Do you want a fight? Uh, it'll be an interesting one to see what um, the judge does on that one. And you know how we were talking um, about uh, teachers taking leave? And I gave a figure of the at least two and a half thousand there, thereabouts, Irish teachers who are overworking in um, in the likes of Dubai and the Emirates and Saudi and places like that. Um, Nora Foley is the Minister for Education and she's the one that wants to ban career breaks, but she's on a career break herself. Um, there's a stat actually for the amount of, t- of uh, TDs actually in the doll that makes the Irish Times today that are themselves on career breaks, but Norma Foley is one of them. And she and her Department of Education have confirmed it. Yes, I'm on a career break. So it's bizarre that somebody on a career break who's availing of it would say that others shouldn't be allowed to have it. And she's on a career break from teaching despite considering suspending breaks for teachers. You couldn't make this up. There are 19 former teachers and principals right now sitting in Dáil Éireann. 19 of them. Um, so they'd all have to give up their jobs, wouldn't they? Or else stop being TDs and go back to work. So primary schools across the country, meanwhile, are reporting that they're struggling to find substitute cover, according to the Mail today. Second level schools are also facing the same kind of challenges. And the career breaks are interesting because they allow a period of unpaid leave for no less than one year and no more than five years in any one time. Uh, and in the last year that we have stats for, 2020-21, there were 2,375 teachers who were on a career break. And the ASTI has said that if you try and ban it, then teachers will resign rather than giving up their break or indeed job share, uh, according to their union. And if, if that happens, many might say, well, that's fine, then resign and give it to people who will actually go to work. Monday to Friday and teach, which is the profession that you signed up for rather than taking time out. The career breaks, I don't know whether the career breaks within teaching are, are, are more um, female orientated or male orientated. I, I think I read in one of the papers this morning that more women within education take career breaks and what they actually do, I don't know. There might be an assortment of different things that teachers actually do. I'd love to hear from them, even without giving out their details. Text 0868104106. But I think a lot do take time out to teach overseas because there's huge money to be made overseas and a lot of it is tax-free. So anyway, but from it's a bit like, you know, kettle and pot black, if you like. Um, and another thing that they want to clean up is Airbnbs because an awful lot of people are, making, are trousering serious cash without paying any tax on it. Uh, and there could be up to 12,000 properties or even more uh, that aren't registered and um, have no way of finding out who they are uh, and returning profits for tax. Now, some do, don't get me wrong, they run as legitimate businesses, but now they're going to bring in a €5,000 fine if uh, bed and breakfasts and Airbnbs are not registered with uh, under the Falcher Ireland new scheme that they're putting in place. So that's going to be an effort to try and free up even more properties uh, maybe it will encourage people to come clean and pay tax and declare it or come out of Airbnb and get back into long-term rental. I don't know whether you've seen the viral club video that's doing the rounds um, regarding uh, Leo Varadkar. Um, he has acknowledged that the video is of him. He has said that it was uh, it's his personal matter 
and it has nothing to do with his work as a Taoiseach or a TD. It was footage which was taken without without his knowledge inside uh, a Dublin nightclub. Now, I won't go into the details of the footage uh, for, for legal reasons, reasons, but it happened within a club, and he's declining to comment on it. Uh, he, he made some comment yesterday saying that it was a private matter. Uh, he, he's had a lot of issues like this in the past because the Red Tops also talk about him, uh, the photograph of him socialising with friends in the Phoenix Park during COVID. That was also widely, widely shared. But, of course, at the time, there were official warnings, like events like socialising or picnics at the time. Uh, but there he was, nonetheless. But uh, a couple of the Red Tops say that the video of him that was taken inside the nightclub um, involving another person um, is private and has nothing to do with his uh, public office and it's personal. And you can kind of understand that. People have a private life and they have a public life. Petrol and diesel dominate many of the papers. The pump prices continue to fall. You can get down in the 150s now, about 158, 159 if you're smart with regards to, to petrol and you should be. But in spite of the fact that sales of petrol are dropping, the amount of people have that have actually, you know, driven less and less because it's a bit like driving a car and driving it less is a bit like people not turning on the heating as often as home. So petrol and diesel sales have plummeted as well as the fact that petrol and diesel prices have dropped. People are buying less petrol. And at 8 o'clock this morning, the start of the Netflix series involving um, Meghan and Harry dropped, as they say, on Netflix. Um, I'll watch it later on by virtue of the fact that I hope to be able to talk about it on the air yesterday morning. You can't, tomorrow morning, you can't talk about things if you don't watch it. But the palace are describing it as a lot of noise. Um, so that's um, something that's going to be watched very closely by the royal family and by Buckingham Palace because they um, say that they will respond if it's over the top or out of line. Uh, and some of the staff actually within Buckingham Palace want the uh, confidentiality agreements that they've signed lifted, particularly former staff, because it's expected that former staff uh, are going to come out in the dirty laundry within this documentary, um, which dropped, as I say, at 8 o'clock this morning. And they want to be able to respond. So they want to be able to get out of the confidentiality agreements. But the Red Tops deal with it in quite a lot of detail today. And the Royal, Royal Family is said to be ready to come down hard on any unfounded claims made in the Harry and Meghan new Netflix series. And again, as I was saying, so much for bowing out of public life and, life and royal life gracefully. I mean, it's the complete opposite uh, to that. And I, li- I like this story with regards to James Dyson. He's the man behind the Dyson vacuum cleaners, the Hoovers, as we say. Uh, and he, this is an English story, but I think it might relate to Ireland as well. He doesn't like flexible working. He doesn't like people having the right to work from home. He said the decision to do it is a move driven by lockdown and is only really found attractive to civil servants who enjoy working from home despite the shockingly bad public service that they provide and their terrible track record of delivery. I love somebody who speaks their mind and comes out and says it as it is in his mind anyway. And then there's another person who speaks their mind. It's a doctor by the name of Kate McCann. She, in the mirror this morning, has written a letter to Santa Claus asking him not to forget helmets and batteries, but particularly helmets for bikes, but not to bring any e-scooters or scrambler bikes from the North Pole uh, because they're dangerous. 
She says to Santi, remember to bring a helmet for every new bike or rollerblades or scooters. Uh, you forget many every year, so don't forget this year, Santi. And don't load up the sleigh with e-scooters and bikes. They aren't toys, Santi, so please consider another toy for a child who's too young to understand the rules of the road. And I suppose... Technically, you can't disagree with her. But undoubtedly, if Santa Claus does decide to leave them all behind, there'll be a few, and maybe a lot more than a few, very upset and disappointed kids. And uh, Roy makes the papers. Roy Keane, you know he had a problem with um, Brazil doing their um, dance after the four goals they scored. Um, He did a little bit of a dance himself. ITV played the BBC in soccer yesterday at the World Cup and Roy Keane scored the most fantastic goal. And then he went off on a bit of a celebration which saw him whip off his shirt, twirl it over his head and and jump over a wheelie bin. (laughs) Now, is anybody critical of those antics, I wonder? I don't know. The Neil Prendeville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Courts Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Lads, Jim McKeown has died. James McKeown has passed away at the age of 80. He died earlier in the week and a lot of people including myself, would have regarded him as being a very great friend. And he was a very great friend to this program for many, many, many years. Decades we were in communication. He was on the air with me all of the time. He was on well recently, and we were hoping for the best that he would make a recovery. He was out of hospital. He was emailing me away all of the time. There wasn't a week that went by that he wasn't sharing different stories and on different topics. A lot of the time from the hospital bed, a lot of the time from his bed at home. He was out for a while then. He was able to walk a few steps. He sent me a lovely note there with the last email they got from me. He says, hola, mi amigo. Um, on the mend, man, I walked a few steps today and I was heartbroken when I heard the news that the great novelist, Cork historian, lover of all things Cork, passed away during the week. And there's a lovely tribute to him in the Echo this morning. Uh, he wrote um, 20 books. He wrote 20 plays. He was the authority on Frank O'Connor. He wrote the most fabulous biography Jimmy McKeown did on the life and times of Frank O'Connor. A fabulous read. He loved all things Cork. He, was, he, wasn't, sh- he wasn't slow to criticise um, Cork or how we could do things better or differently. And he had a marvellous ability to reminisce about Cork. Not, in a, not through rose-tinted glasses in any way, but he captured Cork, the Cork of his youth and before. Um, and sadly, yet another great Cork historian and a, and a champion, really, uh, of all things Cork. And just a wonderful guy. Uh, passed away during the week. My last conversation with uh, Jim McKeown was in February of this year. Um, and it was a lovely little chat. Little did I know it was the last time that he'd be on air. Uh, and we were chatting about love and marriage and Valentine's at the time, as I remember. Have a listen to this. Now, um, it's Friday, so I really do want to do other issues as well. And that's no disrespect to the people I've been chatting to already. But amongst them, um, I just wanted to catch up with Jim McKeown, Cork author and, and, uh, and uh, historian and lover of all things Cork. Well, nearly all things Cork. It depends on the day of the week you catch him, actually. Jim, good morning. How you doing, Neil? And somewhere here within my mess of paperwork, I have a beautiful piece that you wrote on, um, was it Washbrew Lane, was it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was an old lane I lived in as a kid. We we might come back to that another day because it's beautifully written. But um, we were chatting recently about how people met their partners and their wives. So pick up on that for me, will you? 
Oh, stop. stop. <laughs> so I, believe, I believe you once told me at, you fancied at her the, sister. At the time, um, you're going to get me into trouble now. <laughs> at, at the time, uh, I had a old big banger of a car and myself and my pal, Pat, and uh, three women, we were going down to the to Dickie Rock in the Majorca. Yes. And at the time, we stopped for a, for a drink in the... Uh, is it the owner Bui, the owner Cora in Carrigaline? Uh, the owner Cor- 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just taking a guess. Uh, yeah. His name out, named after the river, I think. But anyway, there was two sisters, and there were, uh, one girl bought me two points, you know, and I was saying, Jesus, any girl who buys me two points, you know, she must be all right. I'm in love. So, yeah. later, later on, uh, I said it to Pat. He knew them much more than I did, and he said, Right, no problem, I'll fix you up with her. So down at the dance later, he came along with me, winking, and thumbs up. I had a date at 8 o'clock at uh, uh, Singles Corner on Monday night. <laughs> so I popped along to Singles Corner, and I was waiting. And next, this young one came along and said, How are you doing, Jim? Jesus, I was saying, Who's she? And we, <laughs> we went into the same and I, was, I couldn't think of her name, but going up long, it came up, and it was actually... The wrong sister he could be up with. <laughs> yes, the wrong sister. No, I didn't. I didn't tell my darling wife that for about twenty years. How did it go down twenty years later when you told her? Uh, she was saying, "Go away, you liar!" <laughs> <laughs> and then her sister, it was a different person. She said, "I was married to you, and I throw myself into the river." <laughs> but you did marry in seventy-one. Oh, think. we were married in, in under a year. I'd say, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, I. I proposed about four months later she was only she was only 19 I think she had three passionate blue eyes and I tell you Neil when she kissed you man you'd remain kissed <laughs> <laughs> she was full of passion where was the where was the wedding oh it was up in in the uh, the country club fair play so the country club. and, and uh, free bar all right. day I'm told Oh, stop, leave me alone, yeah. I, I, weddings were great then, because if you got invited, like, it was a great day, there was free drink, and they were different than today. It was off the cuff, singing and jokes and dancing, and... Uh, it's all choreographed it now, I know, yeah. A, yeah. a fantastic wedding. There were 60 guests, and um, the whole bill, free drink, and the dinner was brilliant. Everything for the whole day was 107 pounds. There were pounds at the time. Was it normal back then for the groom not, not to have a drink on the day? Oh, Lord, no. No, they did, they did drunk and get pissed. <laughs> Jesus almighty tonight. But I decided not to drink. Uh, I just wanted to really, really enjoy every single second of that day, you know? play. That must have taken a lot of willpower, did it? <laughs> well, there was the priest who married us was sitting next to me all through the thing as well. <laughs> so he had, but another, another thing was uh, the Sullivan brothers were brilliant. So to start the ball rolling, they asked for me. They said, no, we'll have Mr. McCone for the first song. Yeah, I went up and sang. And when I came down and sat down, she said, no, we'll have Mrs. McCone. <laughs> and my mother shot up like a rocket. Started singing. <laughs> Was it the wrong Mrs. McKeown who got the well, call? She, she was saying there's only one Mrs. McKeown. You know? <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. man, I wish I had more time. Great story, Jim. We'll chat soon. Cheers, pal. Take care. The great Jim McKeown. There's always a great story in that guy. There really and truly is. And there was the last chat I had with them on air back in February of this year. And as I said in that uh, piece, I wish I had more time. Don't we all say that? Uh, his last email to me actually was what he described mental chewing gum that he sent to me 
in the middle of October, just gone. He says, uh, sometimes I ponder when alone and wonder where my life has gone, grumbling, stumbling, undeterred while mingling with the common herd. So much unsaid, so much to say. I'm 80 on the 7th of May. What's in store? What lies ahead? So much to say, so much unsaid. Many things my life has missed. The Blarney Stone remains unkissed. Shandon Bells I've never seen, though soon with angels I'll convene. Before my maker I will meet, I'd like Ulysses to complete. From yesterday when cradle bound, tomorrow six feet underground. My trek begins to 81, so much to do, so much undone. Sadly, he didn't make 81 and he will be buried today, Jim McKeown. Uh, but my God, to say so much to do, so much undone, I think um, that's not right. He may have had much undone, but he did an awful lot. His last actual email to me was at the back end of September. There were others, let me say. Uh, he sent me a beautiful updated piece on Frank O'Connor recently. He also um, also sent me another email, and I hope to read these out in, in the coming days or week or 10 days if possible, on Christy Ring, the great Christy Ring. Very critical, again, of where Christy Ring's statue remains, um, you know, forlorn at Cork Airport. And he gave me a bit of advice because we were talking on the air at the time on this program about trying to get it moved to a better location. He said to me, Neil, don't even try. I gave up years ago. Anyway... Uh, thanks for cheering me up. Mind yourself and pray for me, my friend, uh, said Jim McKeown. Another one then that he, he sent me recently was um, a, a piece that he wrote called I Have a Dream, a dream about Cork uh, to banish the cloud of apathy hanging over the city. It's a lengthy piece and, and I will read it in the coming days in tribute to him. And before that then, uh, around about the start of October, he sent a magical piece on the movies, the magical movies or the pictures as we would have called it in Cork lovely piece and he compares Sky movies and Netflix and 24 hour a day television and DVDs and downloads he compares it to the days of the Savoy and the Capitol and the Pavilion and the Ritz and the Palace and the Coliseum and the Bellevue and the Lido and the Assembly Rooms and indeed Myers and I think Myers was his favourite uh, on Oliver Plunkett Street and then a gorgeous piece on Annie Moore uh, who was um the first person to land at Ellis Island all those years ago. Uh, and he gives the entire backstory to a girl who was actually born at 154 Old Yall Road near Collins Barracks, although there is a plaque to her in the shadow of Shandon Steeple at number two Rowlands Lane at the top of John Redmond Street. It's a beautiful piece. And he tells the entire history of Annie Moore right up to her death in New York and her marriage and her relatively young death and indeed her children and her husband and everything that go with it. And then he had another piece that he sent me again. He was very, very busy. We hoped that he would recuperate and, uh, and get back to, uh, you know, full health again. Sadly, that wasn't to be the case. But in one piece, he spoke about the um, um, freedom of the city and how it was given out willy-nitty, willy-nilly here in Cork and all too often to the wrong people. So he never held back in that regard. Uh, and I want to just read one that he, he did send me. Uh, on the 25th of September, uh, which would have been the last email, my apologies, the 13th of October, I should say, uh, the last email that he sent me. He called it Fado Fado. And he said, as we get older, we realize that the only certainty in life is death. 
Some people get paranoid about this, uh, but it is simply a passing on to another stage in our existence. I'm a war baby, born in May 1942, while Ireland was freewheeling along in a blissful neutrality. Someone once said it was one of the rare times that the Irish went out of their way to avoid a fight. Age is only a number, and it's all in the mind. Although I have passed the 80 mark, you make up your own mind on what age you want to be. I agree what was once a blazing fire is now a flicker of light. Yet, personally, there are not enough hours in the day to do all the things I want to do, and I seem to be forever chasing my tail. The most important fact to remember is that there is nobody in the whole wide world the same as you. You're unique. Never forget that. I keep telling young people this. Be proud. Hold your head up high. You're special. You're one of a kind. Another aspect, Neil, of growing old is that with every passing year, nostalgia multiplies and the mind becomes flooded with minute, unexplainable, mundane and strangely selective memories. I vividly remember I was dying at the age of three and my father was making a coffin in the backyard for me. For some reason, I recovered. Wasn't my time. There's a touch of black black humour about the fact that I nearly drowned in y'all. I was also badly electrocuted. It should have killed me. And later, when I was seriously in a hospital, I actually heard a nurse in the hall saying, that child in there is dying. Later life, I suffered a heart attack. This hurt because I went from someone who regularly walked the 20 miles from Mallow to someone who could barely walk to the nearest shop. But that also passed. My doctor and old friend reassures me that I live to 100, but he wouldn't give it to me in writing. Why do I have no recollection of many important episodes in my life, yet I vividly remember my first day at school? I wore a red jumper as I walked the half mile on my own to the school. Never missed a day in school, but I was forced to leave at 13. The schools, the cinemas, the swimming pools all closed because of the polio outbreak. I was shipped off to Dublin to live. Again, I vividly remember now when people on the train heard my Cork accent, they stayed away from me. I was a health risk. I still have a great love of Dublin, the 1956 final in Croke Park, the Abbey Theatre, the Theatre Royal, Dalymount Park, John Jaws magnificent goal against Sweden, Charlie Hurley, the best centre half I ever saw, sadly neglected in his native Cork. All the different jobs I remember, from a parcel wrapper in a big store to a messenger boy for a grocery shop in the North Main Street. It was no fun delivering a pound of sausages up to the far-off hills of Montanati for 60 cent a week in new money. Life was so different than compared to now. Money was scarce. No radio, no television, no cars, no traffic, no traffic lights. We expected and accepted that there were no Easter eggs, no muggings, no drugs, no money, no nightclubs, no alcohol at dances, no house phones, no mobiles. People spoke to each other back then. Everyone went to the theatre and the cinemas were always sold out. There were no birthday cards. There were no presents. I didn't get a card or a present even for my 21st birthday. That was the way it was. I smile when I see the four-year-olds get 50 euro in their cards now. It was the same at Christmas. The only presents I ever remember were getting a flash lamp with no batteries and a tiny cap gun which was useless after two minutes when the caps ran out. My friends and I walked or cycled everywhere. We were fanatics at sport and I often played three games a day and I'd have gladly played three more. In my early teens, I cycled along, alone I should say, to Killarney, to a match, and also to Limerick to see my hero, Christy Ring. Cork regularly won All-Irelands back then. I struggled in Blackpool, into Blackpool at midnight, tired, starving with the hunger after the cycle, and suffering from a very sore posterior. 
Um, for some strange reason, I love to travel from an early age, over and back to London regularly on the Innisfallen to see football matches. I saw all the greats. There was no diving on the pitch then. You could just turn up at the gate and walk in. I still have some of the old ticket stubs. Two shillings, the equivalent to 10 cent now to get into Old Trafford. 14 pounds for a return flight to Cherbourg. 21 pounds to Paris. 64 pounds for two weeks all in in Spain. For two cent for a pint of beer. How things have changed. In the last 30 years, there's been huge changes in our language, our religion and sex. Bad, ramp- bad language is rampant and accepted. Religion has disappeared. Many don't go to Mass, especially the young. A series of scandals has rocked the church. Father Brendan Smith comes to mind. And casual sex is rampant. Church marriages are also on the way out. A kaleidoscope of memories, though, still rush on. I adored my father, a five-foot-seven giant with fists like shovels and shoulders like the mountains of Morn. When he died, I cried for a month. Strangely, when my mother died... A little after, I never shed a tear. I just accepted it coldly. I went to visit her in hospital. It was heartbreaking to see this chatterbox of a woman lying there, speechless with a stroke. I held her hand and for the first time I told her, I love her. What kind of a country have we when it's backward, when it's backwards traditions allow the kind of stupid son that I was that I had to wait until my mother was on her deathbed to tell her that I love her? I never forgave myself for that. The years roll by and life goes on. I try to enjoy every moment. The great Taylor and Gugon Barra sums it up when he said, Take the world fine and easy, and the world will take you fine and easy. It's Misha Jimakion, who passed away this week, and we're all sadder for his loss. I think his writings actually are right up there with um, Frank O'Connor himself. He had a wonderful way of painting pictures with words and incredible, incredible talent. May he rest in peace. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 Red FM. Cindy, and we have these wonderful Christmas hampers to send. The paddybox.com hampers all over the world. And I've been reading out the emails over the past 10 days or so. Uh, you still have a day or two to get your email in. Neil at redfm.ie. Well, if you've got a family member or friend or relation overseas tell us a little bit about them or indeed if you're listening overseas uh, and you'd like one of our paddy box hampers tell us a little bit about your life who you are and where you are and what you're up to neil at redfm.ie i loved the story of of ben lynch and the email i read out uh, earlier in the week because he is overseas in the lebanon and i got contacted uh, by his his mam lisa lynch who joins me by phone lisa good morning Good morning, Neil. So, where are you guys from? Where does Ben hail from? We're from Greenmount. Okay, so he um, joined the Defence Forces um, at, what, the age of 19, is it? Just before his 19th birthday, he joined. Okay, and were you sitting down at some stage going through career options? Was that the case? Well, as you do after transition year and fifth year, we were saying, like, what do you want to do, and... He was listing out things he didn't want to do, and we were. He, he is an outdoor child. And what was he saying he didn't want to do? He didn't want to be in the factory. He didn't want to be in an office. College wasn't for him, and he just loved the outdoors. He just didn't want to be indoors with a roof over him at all. No, he wanted the outdoors. No, yeah. just fishing every weekend out with my dad, and we were saying to him, "It's not leaving you much option." So. He decided he wanted to go down to the route of the Defence Forces. Right. And the Navy was the first port. Right. 
So brought him down there, loved it, said that's what it is. A few months later then we say in sixth year, he said, change my mum, mum, I want to go to the army. I think there's more opportunity there for me. All right. Oh, how does one go about to Just move around a little bit, Lisa. I, I may have to see if I can improve this phone line. But how, how would a 19-year-old go about joining the army? How does that work? Uh, just apply online. Um, and then you just do a couple of interviews, medical, um, there was an aptitude test and passed all of them and got his gate and he went up to Collins' barracks. Enlisted? Yep. All right, okay. I'm going to come back after the ad break, unfortunately, Lisa, because uh, I, I uh, have a great difficulty hearing you. Back after the break. Hold on a second. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. See if it's any better. So when did he go? He did his training. When did he go to Lebanon then, Lisa? He just went away there uh, two weeks ago, Neil. Okay, and he won't be back until May? The end of May, no, he won't be back. And is there anybody else in the army before him, like relations, dad, grandfather, anything like that? Grandfathers and uncles on both sides of the family. In Collins Barracks? Yep. So when he's out there, is he in touch with you? I mean, I heard that you might be sending him goodies from time to time. Is that right? No, uh, there's just one box went out to him. Uh, It was a care package, it's called. And that went out three weeks before he left. And that's it. That's all we can send out. What's a care package? What's in it? It's just little uh, things at home. We gave him. He loves lion's tea bags. Gave him them. Lion's tea? Oh my lion's God! Tea. I know. Is he a cork man? Um, or would he know? Like he prefer to berries, would he? No, he does. It's just lion's tea bags. Weird. So we just sent them. Yeah, sent them out and just little things. Then, um, say little sweet packets of jellies and just what little things that he likes. But it's only a small package. What does so he do? I mean, you sent me photographs of of Ben Lynch out there, and it seems to me that he's um, is he a gunner in a tank or something? He's a gunner and it's called a MOAG in army terms. I don't, that's all I know. Um, he's in the CAV, which would be a different, they've all different regiments and artillery and he's in the CAV. I think he's at the so, cavalry, he's a gunner on a tank, he's the one sticking his he head out. He's the one sticking his head out. <laughs> and are you, worried, are you worried about him when he's out there? Of course, you always worry about him. He's my son and you know, it's Especially with the last year they were over there, um, I heard that they had to go into the bunker. So, with 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 all that, you're kind of course of you'd be worried. Yeah, you worry oh, about him. You miss yeah. him, Does he, and he misses home, I guess. But he's with oh, a great he's with a great bunch, I'd say though. He is. He is. Thank God, he's gone out with some friends from his unit, and he said he's making loads out there. We just have messenger texting. That's it. And he gets one phone call in the week. So. He's loving it, is he? He's really enjoying it. Missing home, missing the, uh, his brother and sister and his nan and granda. Yeah, yeah, like so many. And won't be home for Christmas, so you'll be missing him on Christmas Day. What would yeah, he do Christmas would... Day? Pardon? What would he do on Christmas Day? They'll have Christmas dinner when in the they mess. they have to get off and they do, he'll still be out on, do the red, the, the blue line, sorry, and... Patrolling and just a normal day, have Christmas dinner and the turkey and the ham and everything. 
I've no idea. It all depends. Uh, he was saying last week it was the Polish cook and he got fish soup, so he wasn't happy with that. <laughs> That's bula based. That's very nice. Very good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a bit like that. What is he, what is he miss of Mam's cooking, I wonder? That's all he wants in his man's Christmas Day dinner because we go to my mum's every year, so... That's the main thing. All right. I don't know. I don't know if I can send him um, a paddy box hamper if he's a man that drinks lion's tea. I'm putting. <laughs> we've got Barry's tea inside in this. I know. But you look at all the other lads. They'd be delighted. It's not just him and he share around it. I think he will share around it if there's anything to go by. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you something. We might even convince him to switch from lion's tea to Barry's tea if we send him a box of it. What do you think? Definitely, I suppose with what they have over there, it'll be better than anything. All right. Well, listen. Will you ever let him know that there's a paddy box on the way, only on the understanding that he shares it with it as many people as he can oh, from Cork who are out in the Lebanon with him. Definitely, he. I know he will. And thank you so much. All right. Okay, Lisa, I'll let you go because it's a shocking phone line, but thanks for taking the call all the same. Uh, Lisa Lynch on behalf of her son, Ben, who's in the lab. 22 now. Signed up when he was 19. He'll be away for Christmas. So will David Reardon, who joins me by phone. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm very well. You're a little closer to home, I believe, are you? I am. I'm in Devon. In Devon? It's supposed to be a beautiful part of uh, the UK, isn't it? It is indeed. It's lovely over here. It's a bit cold here today. And yeah, how cold? At the moment. Yeah, I know. We got the same. Yeah, you didn't get any snow or anything like that, no? No, not here. In the kind of, like on the mountains and that, in the rural areas, there is a bit. But like in the towns and that, there's, it's just very, very cold. A bit of frost, the usual carry on really. Okay, so what took you over there? People tend to go further afield these days. Why there? Yes, indeed they do. Well, I uh, met my partner. She's originally from here. I met her. I met her uh, over actually working in Adfan beside yourselves and uh, we moved over back to her place nine years ago. So I've been here quite a while. What do you do? Uh, I work for a fabrics company called Heatcoats. We make uh, fabrics that go into parachutes and um, also into the aerospace and uh, make car belts and stuff like that. So it's quite an interesting job. And shift work, days, nights and weekends. It's shift work and everything. You haven't been home in a yeah. while. And I hear there's a baby on the way, is that right? That's correct. That's why we're not coming home this Christmas. So we were home in February and we have a baby due on the 17th of January. So unfortunately, we won't be home this Christmas. Maybe but next one. I, I know whether it's a boy or a girl. Do you Do you know? I've been told. Yeah, I do. Oh, you've been told. That's, yeah. well, that's, that's surprising. No, it's a girl, a baby girl, a baby girl. That's the second little girl we're going to have. We're quite looking forward to it. No, really. Yeah, little girl is uh, very excited about it. I didn't want to spoil the surprise girl. for you, but you know already, two girls. <laughs> two girls, that's it, yeah. Oh, it's a lovely email, actually. What are you missing from home? Oh, everything. It's just the hustle and bustle of the city, the friendliness of the people, everything so you know the walk down Patrick Street so like I said from the email the English market you just miss everything really I suppose being away for so long and getting to go home every now and then it's alright but I suppose once you're from Cork you're always from Cork it's always going to be home isn't it I know and do you think that when you were here you took these things for granted the walk down Pan or the South Mall oh, or the stroll around the English market 100%, 100%, even down the regional park there, like, and stuff like that. When we came home in February, it was completely different to two years previous when we were back home again, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Everything's yeah. changing, it's constantly changing, but it's nice to get home, it's nice to see the family, all my family still live in Ballincollig and Bishopstown and that, so it'd be nice to get home to see them every now and then, you know? And so Haley Grace forward is looking forward. When's the, when's the baby due for, for uh, four-year-old Haley? 
uh, the 17th of January, so she's very ex- uh, very excited about that to be a big sister, you know. Oh, so. I know, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great Christmas and a wonderful yeah. New Year's present for all of you. I know, oh, I know, you're, I know you're there 10 years, but will you stay? Uh, if well, let's put it this way: if I had my way, I'd come home in the morning. <laughs> but you don't have your not, way, do you? Yeah, it's not as easy as that, really, is it? <laughs> you know, um, do would I stay at the moment? Yes, but realistically, hopefully, kind of, you know, once things start changing and improving and stuff, maybe in the foreseeable future we might get back. But yeah, yeah. as it stands right now, I think uh, this is kind of be home for the next foreseeable anyway. You and know? it's a beautiful area down there in Devon. It's a, is it a small little picturesque village that you live in? Yeah, I live in a town called Tiverton. It's just outside of Exeter, which would be the biggest city, I suppose, coming towards us. Um, I live 10 miles outside in a small little village, probably the size of McCroom, maybe a little bit bigger than yeah, McCroom. yeah that kind of idea you know yeah. it wouldn't be a balancolic let's put it that way it's a nice area like you said it's not quite friendly but it's not Cork it's not Ireland you know <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Jason O'Gorman, you know. Shock. <laughs> it's all fine, but it's not cock. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. But, this is it. Yeah, well, listen, I'm delighted that you stay listening. I hear listening, you listen to the podcast an awful lot to stay in touch I with do, cork. I that's do, I do. I do indeed. Uh, if I'm, uh, when I'm on shift on days, I get to listen to you live. But if I'm on night shifts or whatever, I like to catch up, you know. I'm delighted. Are you a fan of the potato, cheese, and onion? Or the, don't tell me you drink lion's tea, do you? No, I just listened to the lady before. I'm a Barry's tea man, but I tell you one thing, my little girl loves the potatoes crisps, so she's well able for them anyway. There's no problem. All right, well, that. I can see a feast of potato crisps and uh, tanora, Cadbury's oh, daily yeah, mil- dairy milks much. and chocolate Kimberleys and custard creams and all sorts of beautiful things winging their way to you. Happy Christmas. Oh, thank you I'll, very I'll much. send you a really hamper. Not at it. all, man. Not at all. Not at all, David. So we'll send it to you and to Jessica and to Haley Grace. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if a newborn baby can consume any of the hamper, but you never know. Yeah. Maybe you could, maybe you start the baby early on Tanora in her bottle. <laughs> Not a bad idea, really. I was raised on it, so there's no reason why she can't be raised. I agree on with it. you. I think if you warm it up first, it'll be lovely. <laughs> the baby's bottle. Neil, I really appreciate it. Thank all you right. very much. I want to hope you all at Red FM have a lovely Christmas. You and too. In all right, lovely well. chat. I'd with like you. to say hello to my mum and dad, if that's all right. My sister, please. Names. And uh, I hope everyone. Uh, my dad's name is John. My mum. His name's Loretta, my sister's name's Kate, and I hope they all have a lovely Christmas as well. Shame I'm not there this year, but there's always next. Ah, listen, you sound like a lovely guy. David, happy Christmas to all the family. Well done, pal. Nice talk, chat. Thank with you, Neil. I really appreciate it. Take have a care. lovely afternoon. You Thank too. You again. Bye. Cheers, Take care. Bye more now. emails, Bye-bye. more phone calls to come, guys. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. You're right. A text says to me, you should read this out. It's a very short text talking about the cost of energy in the home. Somebody has been monitoring the cost per hour. And she says, I put on my Christmas lights for four hours and my heating for two and a half hours. And it was one euro fifty for combined both the four hours of the Christmas lights and the two and a half hours of heating, one euro fifty. I have prepay power. That's how I know it might help older people if you read this out. Thank you for that. It should come as some consolation. Uh, crude oil, Neil, is now the same price as it was in two thousand and eleven. I mentioned this earlier in the newspapers that uh, you know 
petrol and diesel is dropping, uh, but people are buying less petrol and diesel because they are just trying to drive less. So crude oil is the same as it was in 2011. Where's the comparison at the petrol pumps, though? Uh, Petrol and diesel should be much cheaper. If the prices are the same as 2011, diesel actually should be no more than 121 a litre at the pumps. But of course, it is not. Keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Regarding Leo Varadkar's video, um, Texter says, can't come on air because I would be vilified for speaking the truth. But the Leo video is a disgrace and the media has a lot to answer for, for not making more of our leader's behaviour. If it was Trump or any other world leader in a nightclub, the whole world would be up in arms. But because it's Leo, because it's a guy, because it's a man, it's all okay because it's his private life. Am I the only one who thinks no leader of a country should be acting this way? It's disgraceful. Can't come on air because I would be vilified for speaking the truth. Thank you kindly. Well, there are many that would say that what happens in private and uh, in your personal life is nobody's concern. Full stop. Uh, I'm not going to go into much of that that text because it talks about the actual... um, episode in in the nightclub and if it's deemed to be his personal life it's beyond comment um i was told this is to do with tds on a career break or indeed um you know teachers on a career break and i was telling you earlier this morning we have a couple of dozen tds who are teachers on career breaks in the doll i was told yesterday that when they return when they're sorry i was told yesterday that when they're on a career break they are not paid but on return if the replacement teacher used while they were off was paid less than them while they were off, they receive the difference when they come back. And they also receive any increments upon their return. I wonder how true this is. And then thank you. Some lovely texts with regards to the late Jim McKeown. So sad to hear about Jim McKeown. That was so funny about the wrong sister and the piece you played. Hopefully you'll get to read out the other emails. May he rest in peace. He'll be much missed, says Marie in Clon. And some other lovely ones. A Corkman on the street would like to commend uh, Neil on a fantastic piece uh, this morning. A lovely tribute to Jim McKeown. Extremely moving. And somebody else says it was a fabulous piece. May he rest in peace. Uh, somebody else is asking, I'm just wondering if you'd be posting that amazing letter that Neil read out a few minutes ago from Jim McKeown. Um, it was such an interesting and inspiring letter. I've no problem doing that later on. Beautiful piece, Neil and Jim McKeown. Beautifully presented. He will be sadly missed. Thank you for all of those. From yesterday's programme and people that are struggling, this is quite alarming because it just goes to show how difficult some people can find it in the workplace. I was listening to your interview with that amazing lady in relation to the recent passing of her husband, Shane, and I struggled to fight back the tears from falling. A number of years ago, I lost the most amazing, caring and beautiful woman this earth has ever seen to suicide. To say my world came crashing down is an understatement and I miss her terribly every day. I would give anything to just hold her once more, give her a hug and tell her how much I love her. But I can't. But the other reason I write is because I am an employee of the public sector and I experienced a horrific time due to bullying at the hands of a so-called few colleagues. These people subjected me to the worst time of my life and turned my place of employment into a daily battle whereby I fought so hard just to get through the day without actually breaking down. These people will never know how close they nearly pushed me to just throwing in the towel and ending my life because I simply couldn't take much more and the end was coming fast for me. I was put through a campaign of bullying and intimidation within my place of employment 
at a time when I was trying to deal with the death of a person I loved beyond words. Uh, If you decide to read this email out to your listeners, all I ask is that people just please be kind to each other. You never know what another person is going through in life and what issues they are dealing with. We don't have to go around bowing and putting out red carpets for each other, but just please to be kind. Your actions could someday be the difference between another person going home with a smile on their face or going home and struggling to get through the night and even see the next day. Thank you, Neil, says S. My email to neil at redfm.ie. Thank you for that. Uh, Again, the inquisitive part of me would wonder, um, did you, was there any intervention on behalf in the workplace? Was there a HR? Was there anybody that you could speak to? or, Or did you, or... Did you stick it out? Did it improve? Did you did you stay in the job? I, I would just love to know if you'd like to share some more. Uh, Neil at redfm.ie. And, you know, another one, and this is always great with regards to uh, helping people. Just getting back to you regarding my friend's mother. You might remember, uh, this is a way up in Mid-Cork, was the 77-year-old woman who had no, uh, she was a um, senior citizen, who had no heating uh, and she wasn't cooking and she was living in fear of bills. Um I just wanted to come back to you to to say thank you to David Keller who paid the oil bill for her and Regina for rehoming pets who gave cat food and will do so on a regular basis. Big thank you also to Neave Conway who gave two big boxes of food to the lady. We really appreciate the help and support and thank you all so much. So Caroline, thanks for coming back with an update. It's very important and I do appreciate it. One final update and I'll take some calls in a second if you don't mind uh, from yesterday's programme is the confusion within Electric Ireland whereby people or at least some people are getting their bill with the €200 deducted from their Electric Ireland bill but still the direct debit is taking the full amount. So we've been discussing that. We got in touch with Electric Ireland about customers who believe that um, they should have had the 200 deducted from the direct debit because the 200 appeared deducted on the bill, but Electric Ireland were taking the full amount. So we got in touch with them. And it's clearly evident to me, although the email that we sent to Electric Ireland asks very, very specific questions where we say, Customers are telling us that they received the government €200 Euro credit in their bill, but have been charged the full amount by Electric Ireland. Um, there were the kind of questions we asked. But the answer does not in any way reflect the question that was asked. They send us back saying that the first credit instalment will start from November 1st, the second instalment from January 1st, and the third from March 1st. So I'm trying to be as kind as I can on this. But would you please, because we've emailed them again, would you please read our email at Electric Ireland? We can't be more specific. We didn't ask you for the dates of November 1st, January 1st and March. We asked you why, if the 200 euro is deducted already from people's bills, are you charging them the full amount? And what are you going to do about that? Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, To the phone lines. Pat, good Good morning, sir. You are right. Uh, Red FM has teamed up with the RSA and the Garda Shikana for a road safety initiative this side of Christmas and into the new year. You wanted to pick up on road safety, right? I wanted to pick up on road safety on the sense of all we're hearing about in the adverts and so forth is advice to motorists, you know, to slow down and you know, mind the mobile phone and all this. Yeah, I heard the ads, yeah. Put the mobile phone in the back seat. It's going off all the time. Do not use it, yeah. 
I don't have any problem with that. It's perfectly right. But what I'm not seeing any mention of is other road users, uh, pedestrians, cyclists, etc., etc. And that was the reason I rang you guys, mm. because... Uh, in recent times, I've been travelling backwards and forwards across Cork City, mainly, we'll say, from 10pm until 1am time. Right? It varies, it varies yes, right? Dark, yeah. Backwards and forwards, right? And on one night last week, on a journey from the north side of Cork to Douglas and back, I counted 17 wheeled vehicles, two wheeled vehicles. What do you mean? We, are they bikes now, or e-bikes, or scooters, or e-scooters? That's, or what? that's why I said there, there were a mix. Okay. Right? I know for 100% that out of the 17, two were scooters, and two were 100% e-bikes. Okay. But the other 15, there were, some of them were definitely push bikes, but as for the actual mix, I couldn't say. Okay, so 17 then. How many of them, and it's dark now at that time, how many had lights on? The two scooters had lights on. One of the scooter cyclists had um, a high-vis and a helmet. As far as I can remember, the other scooter had a helmet, but that was it. Okay. But they were properly lit up. Out of the 17 bicycles, two of them 100% were e-bikes, and they were quite well lit up. Yeah. Right? They had front and rear things, and definitely one of the cyclists, both cyclists had helmets, and one of the cyclists had a high-vis. But the other 15? The other 15, absolutely nothing. Dark clothes, no lights of or reflectors of any description. Right? Bizarre, isn't and it? The 15 bikes that you witnessed within a two-hour period had no lights at all and dark clothing. I mean, yes. how are motorists supposed to see them? Well, on that journey, on that particular journey, I went down Kitty Road and down Mulgrave Road, and there was a guy on 100% an ordinary mountain bike. No, he was plodding along at a good 25 miles an hour. And on the section from the cathedral down to where the old uh, Norton Farmer used to be, he was weaving between the parked cars and the centre line. But we were doing a good 25 miles an hour. We got down to the bottom to where I call the Opera House Bridge. And we had a red light. And he decided, he momentarily slowed down at the red light, and then decided he was going to make a right turn across the pedestrian walkway onto the right-hand side of the bridge. Right. In doing so, he nearly got milled by a car that was making a legal right turn on a green filter light to come up Mulgrave Road. Right. Right, that was, that was one instance. Isn't it a wonder last, that more of them aren't hit? Last night... I was on the same route and going from what I call the Opera House Bridge to Patrick's Bridge to Down Merchant's Quay. I'm just taking off at the lights at Patrick's Bridge when over the bridge, in the wrong direction, in the middle of the bridge, comes a cyclist. It was not an e-bike. It was an ordinary mountain bike. Absolutely flying. Didn't even slow down. If if myself and the car beside me had moved off a couple of seconds sooner, Bang. There would have been a meeting yeah. between us. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, 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 you know the, and all of these bikes that you're seeing, right, are they food courier bikes? Do they carry any bags with them? Okay, some of them are the food courier bikes. And what I have noticed about those is that some of them may have a rare light. May being the operative word. But 
the food bag is hanging, the, the light is mounted under the saddle, right. and the food bag is hanging down and it's covering the light. Yeah. These guys don't, it, by and large, stop at lights at all because they're in an no, unmerciful no. rush to deliver because that's how they make their money. They would say that they know what they're doing, and if they were to stop at every set of lights everywhere, that the food would be cold and they'd make no money. Well, it's not just that. It, it, like, of what I'm seeing, it's 50 50 between ordinary cyclists and the food cyclists. You okay, know? you've seen a mix of them. So the responsibility shouldn't be, shouldn't be with the motorists to avoid them, which is the case, really. Motorists have to be so alert to people on bikes yes. and push bikes and electric bikes and scooters. Well, the point I was making is is that this campaign that is running, and it's not a bad campaign, it's a good campaign, but there is no mention about cyclists at night and pedestrians at night, I might add, taking personal responsibility so that they can be seen by other road users. Yeah, yeah. Instead, and it's focused on way, motorists only and not using their mobile phone and not drinking and driving or what have yes. you. Yes, and by the way, full disclosure, I cycle a bike. I have a bike. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. on the flip side of it, I would say at times there was a lot to be left desired from a lot of motorists out there. What about you helmets? Know? Do you wear a helmet? Well, I wear a helmet. Yeah, yeah. I wear a, I wear a, I wear a half face helmet on the push bike. Right. Yeah. Uh, that helmet has a front headlight on it. It's got a flashing light on and the rear. Yeah. No, the I mean you've got everything, but you know the ones that you've seen, the fifteen or seventeen of them. Do they have helmets? Helmets on. Some of them appear to have, but there was no lights of any description, you know. Now, in saying that, Neil, my understanding is there is no requirement under the law for anyone on a scooter or a bike or an e-bike to have any form of a helmet. But what there is no, a requirement... No, you're not, you're not legally obliged to wear a helmet um, or indeed any high visibility clothing while cycling in Ireland. It's, it's recommended, but it's not law. That's bizarre, and isn't it? But it is law to have reflectors and front and rear lights. And they don't have those either. Yeah, okay, good points well made, yeah. It's the cyclists that need to step up their game, right? And as for the cost of these lights, you go into one of what I would call the pound shops and you'll buy a, a pair of fairly decent front and back lights for a fiver. We've all seen them cycling in the dark. We have, like, and you get a shock sometimes when you see them uh, and you just see I, them I, I, in time. Now, I had one other incident. I was pulling out of that petrol station by McDonald's, uh, the Circle K there on the, uh, on the Commons Road. A, a week or two ago, again, it was dark. Now, when you're pulling out into that traffic at the traffic lights there, you're watching the traffic very closely coming from your right. You're also casting the odd eyes because you're halfway out across the footpath on pedestrians and one thing and another. I get a break in the traffic and just about to move off. And lo and behold... A lady on a push bike, no lights, no helmet, no nothing, cycling up the footpath. If I had not spotted her out at the corner yeah, of my arches, we would have had a meeting. Now, on that road, I have no problem with a cyclist cycling on the footpath. Because with the volume of traffic, and sometimes with the way that the motorists behave to cyclists, I wouldn't blame anyone. Plus, my understanding is, is that on the grounds of safety, and I would agree with this, the Gardaí don't have an issue with it. They do have an issue um, with, with bicycles on footpaths. They'll tell you get off them. Well, as I said, I've never had, I've cycled footpaths once or twice myself. With care and caution and light time, 
and so forth. And no, they do, because it, it happened to me some years back. I, for some reason, I have no idea why. I was cycling down a wide footpath. It happened to be near Anglesey Street Garda Station, and I was tackled by two guards who told me to get off the footpath. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on the flip side of it, there's now a cycle lane across from Anglesey Street coming up. They use it. There. Yeah, I know, I use it. Lesson learned. Yeah. And right. I know of one cyclist at 11 o'clock or half 11 at night cycling up there. A guy coming from the pub with his bag of chips thought it would be very funny to clothesline him as he passed him. What does that mean? Locally. Sorry? What does that mean, clothesline him? Stick his hand out? stick his hand out and catch him on the chest or the neck and whip him clean off the bike. And did that happen? And it did happen. What a and moron. The guy, stood there, the guy stood there laughing and the guy who I happen to know got up and literally floored him with a punch. <sighs> luckily, luckily, there were two guardy coming out the steps of Anglesey Street at the time <laughs> and they saw the incident and they came over to the, to the cyclist and they said, hit him again and we'll arrest you and cut your man and drag them up and God only knows what they did to the pedestrian what they told the cyclist to clear off did they take the pedestrian who clotheslined your man into the Anglesey Street Garda station he doesn't know because the Gardaí told him to clear off alright ok good stories you know thanks Pat appreciate that I wonder do people actually on bikes get hit by cars and we just don't hear about it because we hear so many stories that should result in collisions and crashes. But are bikes actually being hit by cars because people are going around on bikes and e-bikes and scooters and what have you? And a lot of the time, paying no attention at all to the rules of the road and no lights on, nor nothing. Text 0868104106 and pick up the phone on 0818104106. On the cost, and I don't mean to be scaring people, I really don't, but I can't ignore the volume of texts or calls either. My elderly hung uncle is in his 90s. He turns off all his lights early at night. He has pets. He's going to fall over them. He's just so afraid of the bill and there is no talking to him. He's going to be found on the floor some morning, says Jar, from either a fall or indeed hypothermia if he's um, watching it as closely as he is. We changed to prepaid electricity and gas meters. The best thing since sliced bread prepaid. Top up in the shop or on the app and you can see your balance on the meter. Yeah, if you're in debt on your bills, they take five euro every time you top up until the debt is cleared. It's a great system. It's still expensive, but I can see the results on the meter when we're trying to say, I mean, that must be a wonderful thing. You can actually see the usage in real time. Don't give out my details on air. Don't identify the person. But the scaremongering about the cost of electricity is really worrying and will cause deaths. I know a person in their mid-70s who has enough money to get by they're not stuck for money at all. However, they are scared because of all of the scaremongering on the news, on radio and television and then the newspapers. I told them I would call to visit one evening, but when I drove up, the whole place was in darkness and I thought they weren't there. But they were actually sitting inside in darkness because they didn't want a high electricity bill. They have a solid fuel stove with a back boiler to heat the water and the radiators. They have plenty of timber and coal, but they're waiting until later in the day to light it because they must turn on the electricity once it heats up. They were never like any of this before. They always had the stove lighting and always had a warm, bright house, but now they're too afraid. It is all so sad. It's particularly very sad, and I need to say it again, the cost of turning on your lights is tiny. That's not a big deal. So don't be in the darkness. The cost of turning on light. Now, turn them off when you leave rooms. Of course, we should all be doing that. But don't be in the dark because that's not really where the big expense is. Um, meanwhile, let me go to line three. Mark, good morning. 
morning. Okay, just pick up on points there that Pat makes criticising cyclists, whether it's e-scooters, whether it's e-bikes or regular bicycles. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, uh, Neil, is it? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Hi, Neil. Um, look, I'm driving 30-odd years, um, and over the last, I suppose, God knows, 15, 10, 15 years, the roads are getting busier and faster. Oh, big time. Yeah. Okay. Um, no. There is a law in place that cyclists are not supposed to use motorways. At 120 kilometres an hour, it is absolutely lethal for the person on the bike. They are still using these roads. They nothing are still using them. Nothing is being done about it by neither the Gardaí or the RSA. Are you talking about the likes of the South Link or the Ring Road uh, or through the Dunkettle yeah, Interchange? Yeah. yeah. Yes, and down the Middleton Middleton Road, that from Cork to Middleton Road. Okay, well. very fast you know, road there, 120 very, kilometres. Very fast road. I mean, if a bicycle is at that speed, there is absolutely no hope. Now, by doing that, your number... Move around there, will you, Mark? Shock and phone line again this morning. My apologies. Just move around. Sorry, you're move. okay. No, no, is that any better? Uh, not not really, but but go ahead anyway. So in the, <laughs> event, in the event of there being an accident, is it? Yes, basically. Um, now, I suppose, number one, they're putting themselves at serious risk of injury or death. Okay? Outside that, they're putting a driver who is insured and taxed and everything to drive on these roads at risk of becoming, um, I suppose, um, what's the word, um, charged for dangerous driving or reckless driving or one of these um, types of um, things. Oh, do, you think that um, a, do you think that a car, motorist would always be found in the wrong then? In 90% of the cases, yes. All right, you have the story of somebody that was involved in something with a cyclist, have you? No. I I personally had an involvement. No, it wasn't on one of these roads. It was on a quieter road where a bicycle basically scraped the side of my car. I tried to speak to the man. Um, when, when I went down further, I tried to talk to the man and basically I was spat on and uh, my car was spat on. You were right? spat at by the cyclist? Yes. And he cycled off. There is no. And you asked him reasonably as to you know what yes, we were going to do about this guy. Yeah. yeah, and I tell you now, the thing about it is, there's absolutely no way of identifying any cyclist. There's no identification tags on a bike. There's nothing. They cycle off. That's the end of it. Okay. okay. Now, yeah. outside of this, I was working once upon a time there, um, kind of um, fixing up social housing. And um, I was talking to the man who was living in this house, basically, and um, unfortunately, this man was incapacitated after getting absolutely cleaned out by a bicycle. How? Absolutely cleaned out by a bicycle. A bus was parked, picking up um, at a bus stop. The man came out, and basically the cyclist overtook the bus and absolutely cleaned this man out, broke his collarbone, broke his hip, um, and I think there was a number of ribs broken. So he was, was he, he was a pedestrian that was hit by was a cyclist. A pedestrian, yes, hit or, by a cyclist. And what happened next? Um, like the cyclist cy- obviously came the cyclist, off the bike. Cyclist got up and took off and left this man in a horrific situation. Fled the scene. No, fled the scene. No comeback. No nothing. I mean, absolutely no way of identifying this man. You know. Did he recover um, from his injuries or is he incapacitated? Because oh, he's, he's incapacitated. I mean, the man, uh, excuse the word, but he's, he's practically crippled, um, partially crippled in, in the way of his movements today because of that. Now, this is this is going back a number of years ago, man. The man was, I think, uh, approximately in his late 50s 
Uh, but to look at the man from what he has been through in regards to injuries and suffering, I mean, you'd think the man was in his 70s. Yeah, but that would be a very rare case of a, somebody yeah. fleeing the it, scene. It, like it is, it is. Don't get me wrong. It is a very rare case. But yet case. somebody did but, flee the but scene. But what it is, is the Gardaí and the RSA have a huge responsibility for road safety. It's not being enforced. So they're not tough no. enough on cyclists. No, and okay. I mean, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I've been on, I've been on the motorway, and I've been on dual carriageway, and I have seen a guard of car either in front of me and behind me, cyclists two, three abreast, right? And they, half the time they're not even using the hard shoulder. They're actually out in the lane because it's smoother. Yeah, I know. And it, listen, I know that. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and the guys aren't stopping. They're not pulling them over. They're not speaking to them. They're not talking to them. Again, the man mentioned about going through red lights, and I mean they're creating situations where there could be serious death or accidents yeah, or injuries. You know, yeah. and I mean at the end of the day, because of the driver in the car, ultimately most of the responsibility goes back on the driver okay. for due care and attention. Yeah, it's the driver is, is no, to pay. But there yeah. is no such thing. Well, you can't, you can't necessarily sue the cyclist because they don't have tax yeah, exactly. or insurance. There is, or no, there is no cover, but not even that. If they take off and keep going, there's no way of identifying them to go back to the Gardaí yeah. to turn around and say, this is the man, this was the, the serial number or the licence plate number on the back of his bicycle. Now, all you, all you, don't get me wrong, I have all, I have a young fella, he cycles all the time, he loves it, but I'm extremely strict about where he cycles and when he cycles in, in relation to it, because I want him safe. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. But there is does he no, wear a helmet and everything, yeah? He does, he does. Lights he does. and light. Helmet, the whole lot, everything on the bike, yeah. everything above board, because, no, I mean, I was a young fella once upon a time, we cycled everywhere without it, going back years Yeah, ago. but it's a lot more traffic but now. It is, a lot more it is, traffic. and it's a lot faster because everyone's in a hurry to get everywhere. Okay, well, well, well said. Know? Thanks for that, Mark. Actually, it was, thank you. I was talking about the mirror this morning. There's a doctor, uh, Dr. Uh, Kate McCann, uh, actually, she spent quite an amount of her time in accident and emergency. Uh, and she said she was inspired. She writes to Santa Claus every year. This is her third year writing to Santa Claus because she was inspired to write on the basis of the child injuries that she saw during her hospital training years. And they include seeing kids with facial and head injuries from falls from their bike or their scooter for simply not wearing a helmet. Mind you, it's not illegal to not wear a helmet. There is no actual law enforcing a helmet. You have to have it on a motorbike, but not on a push bike or an electric bike or indeed a scooter. But she's been writing to Santa Claus say, bring helmets for bicycles. Do not bring any e-scooters or e-bikes and do not bring scramblers for children because they are not toys. It's an interesting one, her Santa list every year. I don't know whether she's making much of a difference in that. Anyway, back to um, back to power issues, particularly with regards to Electric Ireland. Linda, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. I read out um, a response from Electric Ireland. It isn't the response we wanted. They obviously didn't read the question, so we've asked them again. But what have you got? They don't ever answer questions correctly. Okay, I I was on paper bill, and back in September, October, I rang to see if I could get a discount, etc. They gave me a discount of 16%. Right, all They right. then told me that if I go online, they'll give me an additional 2%. 18% so, to get rid of the paper bill. Yeah, okay. To get rid of the paper bill and go online. Biggest mistake ever. Why? Because when you bring up the online bill, it's very difficult. They'll allow you to see the face of the bill. 
they give you the option to turn the bill to read the back of it. But in my case, because I'm not technologically minded, it's very hard to do it. But over the last two weeks, I've been on the phone for three hours and 12 minutes on hold at different stages. My talking time has actually been 26 minutes. And the reason I was ringing them, I keep all my old bills. In July, September's bill, my unit usage, not money, my unit usage was 587. Same term for this year, it's 675. Right. So my unit usage went Gone up. up. Yeah, yeah. Now, I decided my since the 6th of October, my oven, my hob, and my dishwasher have a virtual lock on them. Yes, and they you do not, not use the oven, dishwasher, nor the, the oven, hob. The hob or the dishwasher. What did you but what do you use in, what do you use instead? I bought slow cooker and I bought an air fryer. Everything gets cooked inside them. Okay? You bought a new boiler uh, as well, I think, did you? I bought a new all singing, all dancing boiler that costs just under two and a half thousand that is supposed to reduce your usage, etc. etc. I then did I then How I can your units go up if you stopped using this is it. All of those appliances. Um, now, when I eventually got through to soap, I was told that my bill... Oh, now, he wanted to know, first of all, how I knew this information and because I keep up my old bills. In September, November 2021, my unit usage was 502. Same period, 2022... Remembering all the good things I have done now, yeah. my unit usage went to 788. Now, that's got to be wrong. I mean, okay. So you. I rang them, hung on the phone again for over an hour, and I started to explain my story. He turned around and he told me, oh, that's the meter man's fault. I said, I don't have a meter man. I have an electric or the... Smart meter. The new smart meter, that's yeah. the word. So you can read it automatically. So I, yeah. So I said, the problem is obviously on your side. He said, I'll get the SB to ring you back. I said, absolutely not. I said, I have my contract with you. You sorted. Then all of a sudden, oh yeah, 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 I can see it now. Oh yeah, there you are now. It must have been a miscalculation of the usage. Your usage is actually 401. So your usage has gone down 100 and not up 300 as they had said. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Would you think that's happening wholesale? Would you think? This is my point. It's easier to have a paper bill. I appreciate that. But I recommend everybody, whether it's a paper bill or electronic bill or whatever, if you can find out your usage this time last year, check what your usage is. But what is are they now. doing? Because that sounds quite suspicious to me, that when you asked him to clarify or investigate it, he found that the reading was... 300 units off. Off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have all these details written down here in front of me what it was last year, what it is this year, what they're actually billing me for was 788 units and lo and behold, when I complained, I told them I was going to get onto the ombudsman Etc. Etc. My units reduced to four zero one. Isn't it? And, uh, and but they didn't reduce it because you made a false or anything. It was a, it was a legitimate reduction that needs to be well, made. I don't know. They called it. I they called know. it um, a miscalculation of the meter. Of the meter. 
Man, that's interesting. And then I wonder if that... Nobody has come to look at my meter, check my meter, turn it upside down. Okay, so what's interesting about this is this has nothing to do with the amount of money you spent on it. This is the unit usage. No, this is the unit usage. So my bill... We take, you see, we take the readings as gospel and we take the bills as gospel. Absolutely, absolutely. And like I paid the 788, they took that out of my direct debit. So when I rang them this... Tuesday for the last time I said I expect a credit on my upcoming bill oh yeah we'll see what we can do and he hung up on me but you're owed it like you will get it and and if you don't you need to kick up a fuss again I know it's taken an awful lot of your time three hours and twelve minutes of wait time but that's the world we live in now absolutely but my my biggest point is people please Check your unit. Okay. Usage. Come back to me because with an update. Yeah. Check person. your usage. Check your unit Check usage. Your unit usage. Thanks, Linda. Come back with an update. Listen to your conversation about the lady who's terrified of using her gas and electricity. I also live alone, and I think the fear is very valid. I have prepaid gas and electricity, and it has scared the life and soul out of me how much it is costing. You have no choice but to cut back to the point of not putting on your heating or cooking or cooking in batches instead of cooking daily. We're now facing very high bills. And the cold weather's kicked in. People genuinely are afraid. You can't show uh, or say how worried you are as everyone is facing the same. But when living alone, you don't worry as much for yourself um, because you just grin and bear it. I know it would be, I know it would ease my mind if there was a cap on those essentials, as in a cap on energy costs. Thanks for that. Text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text in WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. That's a lovely text about the passing of the great Jim McKeown, the author, playwright, poet, and indeed novelist, and biographer. Kevin from Blue Cab's gone in touch to say, so sad to hear about Jim McKeown passing away. Always loved the stories that Jim told us about Cork on air, but particularly the ones about the good old days. Speaking, Neil, he says, of great stories from the past. I haven't heard Mossy Phelan from Balafihan on the air with you for a long time. Just wondering how he is and wondering, would you be catching up with him anytime soon? Thank you for that, Kevin. That's an idea. I actually don't know how Mossy is. I'm sure that he's flying and in great form. Haven't spoken to him in quite some time, so we're certainly overdue a catch-up. Keep those texts coming. Uh, a lot of people calling, calling with regards to yesterday's conversation regarding A-rated homes with heat pumps. There's a girl on the air that has a an A-rated home with a heat pump. It's a city council house, but it's eaten electricity and it's really costing her a fortune. A lot of people had opinions on that. It's all to do with the air tightness. That's what keeps the heat in the house with the air to water system. If any of that is leaking in any way, it will eat electricity. Um, I actually don't know if you had a heat pump A-rated house. I know you have panes of glass. But I don't know if any of the windows actually open. It's got to be a completely sealed unit. Because people are suggesting that maybe she has the doors or windows open. And that's why. I bet she opens her windows, which gives the stats a wrong reading. So the system keeps heating rather than holding in the heat which could be one of the reasons why her bills are so high. Uh, It's a good point. Another one... um, GP says, good luck to the girl in the A-rated corporate house. What a great country. None of my adult children would ever get a free house, but they work. And I suppose that's the difference. Well, it's her home. Uh, She's entitled to it. She got it and she has it um, and she's happy with it. That lady that's putting all the money into the meter needs an electrician to look at that heat pump. He'll switch off all the trips. Then he'll put them on one by one until the meter starts running. That will then tell him what's using so much power. Uh, 
I mean, I don't want to sound like a, you know, condescending, but I'm assuming you don't have the doors or windows open all of the time because that won't work at all. Not with the heat pump in an A-rated home. Back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Okay, I'll go back to calls in a few minutes time if you don't mind but I get a lot by email and by text as well Can I just mention also that the big red bus uh, is going to be at Maham Point again this Saturday and we're asking you to help to fill the big red bus for St. Vincent de Paul Maham Point Saturday It'll be parked waiting for you and all of the non-perishable produce that you can afford are spare this Christmas time so the red bus will be at Maham Point between 10 and 4 on Saturday so cleaning products baby products vouchers are also welcome cash donations any of the perishable things uh, non-perishable I should say my apologies that you think could help people over the Christmas period now uh, Colin will be there from 10 and there's a possibility that Rob Heffernan will jog up or walk up at a quick pace uh, the marathon man so fill the bus for St Vincent de Paul and we'll all play our part in giving Cork families in need of a Christmas to remember so that's 10 to 4 this coming Saturday can I also just mention a big thank you to Saucy Pops you can follow them online saucypops.com they're also on Instagram Cork Business uh, I love giving shout outs to Cork businesses um, particularly at Christmas time and Saucy Pops have a pop-up shop in Douglas Village Shopping Centre and you can get all sorts of beautiful gifts and they sent me some lovely gifts um, in the post during the week including the most gorgeous Cork printed cushion in a multitude of colours it looks fabulous I shared it on my Instagram page uh, but what they do is absolutely terrific. So if you're looking for a good gift this Christmas, Saucy Pops. Another thing that I bought, and I can't say what I bought because I'm giving it as a gift, is a Jason O'Gorman print. Ordered it on Friday of last week. It was in the post and shipped by Monday morning. Cork Business, an incredibly talented guy. If you love Cork and you love art with his particular style and flavor, flavor to Cork art and prints, um, then check it out um, at Jog Cork. Uh, it's Jason O'Gorman. He's an incredibly talented guy. So that's just a couple of Cork companies that need supporting. Jim Crowley, Butchers in the Mill Road in Middleton have given me a turkey and ham to give away every day this week. So we'll be opening the phone lines for a turkey and ham. You could be the winner this side of midday when I play a Christmas song. And they also have Fundamania Christmas Village family passes to give away. And that opens um, on the 16th of December and runs through to the 8th of January on the Tremor Road. So Fundamania comes to Cork all the time, but this is the first Fundamania Christmas Village experience. And there'll be food stalls and all of the thrilling rides for the family. And we're also throwing in two hours of unlimited access to all of the fairground rides at Fundamania Christmas and a trip to Fawcett Circus uh, at the Fundamania Christmas Village as well for a family of four. So we've all had to give away this side of midday. You're listening out for a Christmas song this side of um, midday. Meanwhile, when you talk of the city, and I meant to get to this on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and I didn't, but it is an experience that somebody wished to share, having been in town on Saturday night for Glow. So I was in town on Saturday night for Glow with my partner and two small kids, aged three and eight. Uh, at around 7.30pm after we had gone to Glow, we were on the Grand Parade and there was a white transit van with humanitarian aid 
written on the side. But five people, in fairness, I think it's not only just the Irish that try and help, but I think these, this group of volunteers were Eastern European, certainly not, uh, well, certainly not Irish by birth, but they were doing their bit for charity, right? So they, to help people, they set up tables and they were giving out food and clothing to people in need. The type of food being given out seemed to be like the likes of crisps and bread rolls. And the people availing of these services, bear in mind half past seven in the evening, the people availing of these services were being disrespectful and certainly antisocial, to put it mildly. They were leaving rubbish all over the ground. Uh, some of them were drinking cans. There must have been about 40 what I would call drink and drug abusers, all the way from deals down the Grand Parade to where the van was parked near the Ferris wheel. I've no problem with this kind of thing happening or these charities helping people in need, but the behaviour that was going on and what it attracted was awful. Would they not set up this type of service outside of the city centre to encourage these people away from the crowds? And surely it could have been better organised as it appeared to be very badly run with no one organising the crowd or taking any responsibility for the rubbish or the behaviour. The reason I bring it up is there was a lot of young families still around at this time of the evening and lots of people were giving out about it. My eight-year-old son was very startled by it um, and... Uh, we were with visitors from England who were completely gobsmacked by the carry-on. I have to say it was embarrassing as a corkman. I've lived in a lot of European cities and the likes of this would never happen in any of them. On another note, before we went to Glow, we had a walk from McCurtain Street to the Opera House, down the Cold Quay, along Paul Street and French Church Street, then down Panna to the Grand Parade. A right old scove. There wasn't one Garda or squad car in sight along the entire journey. We'd also gone for some food beforehand and the bill came to over 100 euro for two adults, two small kids with no drink whatsoever. Very basic food, which I thought was very pricey, 100 euro. It was our first time in town this year and from my family's point of view, it will be our last. I'd love to know if there was anyone else there that evening that witnessed this carry-on or knew who the charity was. I think your criticism with the charity is that it wasn't run properly in the sense that there was nobody monitoring what was going on or there was nobody keeping, you know, some kind of order there and a lot of people acting the fool and might have been out of it and all sorts of different substances and what have you. Um, it concerns me also, you know, that um, two small children, one aged eight and one aged three, ain't going to eat a whole lot of food. And one would assume that there were a couple of children's menus involved there. So how in the name of God could two adults, no beer, no wine, no gin, nothing, just food, a family of four, be charged 100 euro for basic food? I mean, I don't know how much glow costs, but that was one heck of an expensive night out. Anyway, your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. I'll tell you what, I'll go back to the phone lines and dig back into my uh, as far as this post bag again in a minute. Mary, good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm just very concerned about uh, meter readings and smart meters and the amount of units people are being charged, you know, and when they question it, it's found to be wrong. Your thoughts? Neil, I'll just give you my experience. Please do. I got um, a bill couple of weeks ago and the amount of 154629 that was the bill Neil I'm a single person that was the bill I got anyway I didn't think I got my 200 euros credit so I rang no it would have shown it if you got it well Neil if you saw the bill there's more transactions on it 
Anyway, yeah, you know, it'll, it'll still show. You'll see two hundred euro, and you'll see the number of two hundred euro go down when they take the VAT off the two hundred. It, it's quite clear. So. Yeah, right. I rang. I got onto this chat. Gave my number. What provider were you onto? Oh, Electric Ireland. Okay, Electric here we Ireland. go again. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. No, he was very nice. To be fair, but he didn't know. He didn't have an answer. No, Neil, I have more transactions on the bill. For a single person, you couldn't write it. Anyway. But was it 365, was it? No, it was 15469. And he had told me that the 200 euros was gone off it. So had I not got the 200 euros government credit, it would be 35469. Okay, sorry. I have the wrong number here in front of me. So, okay. Yeah, but then the 200 right. was taken off. So, all good. But what was the problem? Taken off. But Neil, my point was, had the 200 euros not been taken off, my bill would have been 35469. Yeah. No, again, I'm a single person. Anyway, I got on and he didn't know and I was on hold and he said he'd come back to me and I said, would you check it out? And yesterday, following on from a call that a lady made to you, I thought, I never got my Electric Ireland bill sorted. So I rang again. No, Apparently what has happened in all the transactions on my bill were because I got a smart meter in last year and I was charged an incorrect rate. Oh, there is such thing as an incorrect rate. I thought the rate was the rate was the rate, no? Well, that's what they told me, Neil, and I have no way of knowing it. No, I would always pay my bill on time. So when I rang, what they told me was that I was on the wrong rate for a smart meter. And that's what effectively has eaten up my 200 euro credit. Oh, so you actually were undercharged and they were going to, they took more yeah. because of the undercharge. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of, so, it's kind of worrying um, though that, you know, you have to point it out to them that they don't pick up on this. Well, Neil, I have two points here actually. First of all, they made a mistake. And it's now, as I said, if I hadn't the 200 euro credit, my, I would be facing a bill now. Again, Neil, for a single person of 35469. That's the first point. For two months? For two months, Neil, but that's incorporating the difference that I had been undercharged for the last year. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just wondering if that is, is there other people like that maybe who thought they mightn't have got the 200 euros credit? I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you're not the first person that, because um, just before 11, we were warning people to call us saying you need to look at your unit usage you need to be sure that it's accurate because the readings can be wrong mind you um, yeah go ahead sorry and what Neil I this is my I have two points here now that is my point a smart meter will send an actual reading it does it does right? it automatically so therefore I assume my meter reading is correct but the other point, Neil, is no, I didn't ask for a smart meter. I got a message to say ASB networks were coming and they put it in. No, they actually had to put in a second one this year for whatever reason. Yeah, somebody texted me and said the smart meters are a scam. I don't know why he says that. I, I thought yes, it would be a very efficient way of doing it. And that's the whole point. So obviously a smart meter, your electricity is more. Why? No, well, I don't know. To get any Would it have been a case that you had night rate electricity by day or something and they rectified that maybe or something like that? But Neil, you know, I, what's annoying me is, first of all, I assumed that my bills were up to date. You understand what yeah, I'm saying? I do, I and do. then, yeah. had I not this 200 euros credit, imagine what I'd be, a single person, 35469, because of their mistake. 
Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's certainly, I wouldn't be advocating a smart meter. I didn't ask for it, but when they came, sure, I didn't know anything about it. People are suspect about them, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. and the other thing, Neil, is, uh, the other thing is, sure, how do I know that this is right or wrong? You know, I mean, if you saw what I have in front of me now and all the transactions, I mean, I just have to assume it's right. I mean, Electric Ireland, they're a big company, but sure, just the ordinary person has to, is, you know. Well, interestingly, I got um, an email from a former electricity customer service worker who says, from my time working there in customer service, 90 to 100% of the time, um, the customer's wrong. He says, I worked as a complaints manager in the company. Every day I had to deal with complaints raised. Sometimes it could take me three or four days to get to the bottom of any one uh, about bills being incorrect. However, if the customer gave the accurate meter reading, which is their responsibility, the bill would be accurate. Um, it's hard for people to afford energy, but to complain about something that is actually your own fault is nonsensical to me. The customer always assumes they're right and think they need to be compensated for having to wait on the phone. Um, and that they should be offered a credit. It doesn't work that way. I've left the job, no mind in returning, but the job would have been easier had people knowledge of what they were signing up for and reading their contract. Like, that's fine to say that, that in his opinion or her opinion, the customer is always wrong. But how could you be wrong if it's a smart meter? Like, you don't have to give a reading anymore. But that's just my whole point. Yeah. And and the other point is... To be down to you smart anymore, meters. and smart meters have to be more expensive based on what I have. <laughs> no, I think they shouldn't be. The smart meter should just read the unit rate. You know, it shouldn't be more expensive but because that's of it. What right. they said to me, Neil, and how do I argue? It? Okay, all right, come back after the break. Thanks, Mary. Much obliged. Calls on the way. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Had a heartbreaking conversation with Carol yesterday about her late son, our late husband, Shane, who sadly was struggling and uh, passed away. We won't say any more about that, the misfortunate man, but there were many who went to search for him, and that included the guy at Shikona, Civil Defence, lots of different volunteers, the ambulance, fire brigade, amazing guardie from all over. So many people off-duty came to work and many, many volunteers. Amongst them was the Sarda search and rescue team. And eventually it was um, Tracker the dog that um, brought him home uh, to his beloved wife. And she told the story yesterday, uh, a keen photographer, of course. And we're hoping that we might be able to get a photo exhibition of the late Shane McCarthy's work in the new year. I have a good feeling about that, that it will happen. But she was looking to try and raise some awareness for Sarda Search and Rescue um, and the work that they do. And we were chatting about um, uh, Shane's Christmas present arriving, although he's passed away. He's a keen, he was a keen photographer and she bought him the most beautiful seven-in-one photography jacket. And it was heartbreaking for her when it arrived in the post because she had bought it for him for Christmas. So that was the backstory yesterday. We in association with Sarda, set up a GoFundMe page just to raise some much-needed funds for Sarda Search and Rescue and their dogs. And that now stands at just under €1,100. And if you would like to give a few, Bob, it remains open. I'll mention it today and again tomorrow, and any money raised will then go to Sarda. And Carol will be very happy with that in memory of her late husband, uh, Shane, at this difficult time that is Christmas time. So if you think you could help, on GoFundMe, you can search Sarda Ireland, S-A-R-D-A, on GoFundMe and give what you can afford to give. And we'd all be so very grateful. Um, uh, then we were chatting yesterday with um, people from Cork Helping Hands. 
um, and they were looking for a shed to store everything that they raise to help people in need. Now, thankfully, Nikki was on the air with me yesterday, Nikki King, and thankfully, TNA building supplies in Blackpool are going to provide her with the shed for storage. That's another wonderful gesture from the people of Cork. But I did get another um, offer from Pro Steel Sheds. Jenny got in touch to say, I didn't actually hear the show, but I was told about it. We have a shed company. We may be able to help out. Pro Steel Sheds. Send me on our details. I just want to acknowledge your your text, Jenny, and your and I want to say thank you for your generosity. All sorted for uh, Nikki and Cork Helping Hands, TNA uh, building supplies in Blackpool are going to do that but I do appreciate you getting on board and thanking you for your kind offer. Uh, heartbroken for the lady who lost her husband, I was widowed six years ago at the age of 42. I had four young boys at the time. I can tell you the shock and the grief can overwhelm you and the future seems so dark and so uncertain but time does bring a sense of peace. So tell her to accept all the love and support that will be offered because that's the only thing that will get her through this horrible time. She will always be in my thoughts. Um, and thank you for that lovely text. And uh, our thoughts are with you and your family and your four young boys, particularly at Christmas time. Now, uh, just going back to earlier on this morning, a lot of calls with regards to people wondering about energy costs and utility bills. And again, if I said it once, I said it a million times, the amount of money that's spent by switching on your lights is minuscule. So don't be going around in the dark particularly if you are um, a senior citizen, because you don't want to have an accident, you don't want to hurt yourself. Um, and the cost of electricity when it comes to having a light on is so tiny. Turn your lights on. Don't be going around in the dark. Don't be worried. But yesterday in conversation, uh, we were talking to Julie, who was pumping money into her prepay power meter, you know, the updates it all the time on her phone or whatever. It costs it 635 euro in seven weeks. Uh, and that's after the 200 euro credit into account. She's in a brand new council house that has A-rated heating and a heat pump, an air to water system. Uh, the neighbours who are on the same heating system are paying nowhere near the amount. So we got a lot of people talking about whether or not she has doors open or windows open or whether the heat pump is faulty or what's going on or should you call a plumber or an electrician well Cork City Council are your landlords and they're the ones that be sh- should be shorting it out sorting it out but then we got talking a bit more like I have a breakdown here 20, 20, 200, 20, 20, 50 50, 100, 20, 25, 20 20, 20, 200 and another 20 all in the space of um, 10 days and that's only two pages, third page 25, 40, then one day in particular on the 5th of December, she pumped in 40, 15, 10, 55, 30. Uh, and that's all just on one day alone on the 5th of December. So we got thinking about A-rated homes or heat pumps and you know how do they work or how efficient are they? Well, John O'Halloran is the project manager with EnergyWise and they design uh, A-rated homes and I believe also install heat pumps. John, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you doing? I'm good. You can hear me all right? I can, yeah. Okay, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether you can talk to the situation that, say, for instance, Julie finds herself in. But how, how are how are these systems efficient? Right. Firstly, to have it, you must have an A-rated home, is it? Uh, so, firstly, the the, um, the system is designed based on on building regs. So, it's designed to an area standard. We you design your system then um, suitable best. Yeah, can't, I can't hear you, John, I'm afraid. I can't hear you. Just try and move around a little bit there. So the system is designed 
foreign a, is that what you're saying the home would be a Burr A rating and on that basis you can put in A rated heating systems correct yeah so the heat pump in is designed on the sides of that house designed to an A rated system so that's how you get your, your heat pump in and then your heat pump is set up to um, to provide the heat for that house whether it's underfloor radiators uh, low temperature radiators now on it on an A, uh, on an A-rated system. Yeah. Um, and then that's accompanied in with usually with a heat recovery ventilation system. So that allows you to recover some heat from the house and you're not pumping, pumping in okay. all the air. You're recovering what you can from the house. Okay. That also assists with, with an A-rated house. I suppose from, I suppose once the house is, is complete there, it's important to um, make sure you're not, you're not losing heat through leaving doors open through, um, you might have a VLUX upstairs that you've totally forgotten about. Check, check that. Make it sure that, only, that system will only work if it's completely enclosed. It doesn't sound the healthiest in the world to me. I mean, no no windows well, open, no vents open. That's, that's, not, that, that's not entirely true. If, uh, your, your ventilation system means that you're getting air change um, the whole time. So you constantly have fresh air coming in the house. You're extracting the, the stale air from the house. So you can keep change with, with your ventilation system if you have if you have that installed. And say if you open a window, you have the temperature outside coming in. Whereas you have heat recovery ventilation, you have uh, the heat. You have you use the the warm air from from the inside house to preheat the air that's coming in from from the atmosphere. So you're you're increasing the temperature of that air. It's yeah. not going to heat the house, but yeah. it's still warmer than than opening a window. So you still like you are ventilating house. Um, continuously if you have ventilation system with it but you just have to be uh, careful with open closing windows in the summer it's fine and during the winter then obviously you have heat loss if you open if you open windows and you know I know they're building A-rated homes now but how effective is a retro build where somebody could get because I know there are grants available different amounts mind you for many people they still have to shell out big amounts of money how does all that work? Um, so I suppose at the very beginning of the, if we're looking at the grant system, you get what's called a BER technical assessment. So that BER system will come in, do an assessment of the house, and will give you a list of measures that is required to get for SEI grants. You need to get for a specific one stop shop. You need to get a minimum of a B2, but most people are aiming to get into the, the A, A bracket. Um, and and can that be done with the house that's a C, a D, an E, or an F? It can be done with anything. Obviously, the lower you are, the more expensive, more measures you're going to have to put in, most likely. But it depends on, on the, the construction of the original house as well. If you cavity wall, like cavity wall, uh, pumping cavity wall is very, very cost effective at the moment. Um, that's literally pumping it, the walls that uh, surround your house, your house walls, with, with what? Correct, yes. Some kind of foam? Uh, no, it's actually a bead. With oh, bead. bead? Bead insulation, yeah. Do you drill holes in all the wall around the house? Is it all the way up the gable Correct, inside the yeah. front, and the back? That company then will, 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 patch, will patch the wall uh, before they leave. And it's just a case of you need to see it. That is a very cost-effective way. The one with ethnic insulation is a very cost-effective Sorry, John. I, I'm terribly sorry. I'm going to have to hold you there because um, I have a bit of a crisis going on here with phone lines. Um, and I'm actually being told that the phone lines are fine, but I can't hear you. 
Um, let me put this question out to people who are listening. How are the quality of the phone lines, guys? Because it would appear to me that I might be getting a completely different audio feed to what you're hearing out there. I can't understand John O'Halloran on the phone, but yet I am being told that the phone lines are fine. How is it sounding to you guys this morning? Uh, who are listening. Are you struggling with the phone quality? You're my eyes and my ears on this one. So I'd appreciate a text 086-810-4106. If it's fine, I'll endeavour to fix whatever's going on in the studio. But for me, uh, it's impossible to continue, really and truly. I don't say that lightly. So do let me know. What's the phone quality like? Text 086-810-4106. My apologies to John. It might sound unprofessional. But I'll try and improve and come back in a minute. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Yeah, thank you. A lot of calls, uh, texts coming in. Thank you for that. Also acknowledging that the phone lines are uh, shocking. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I really and truly am. It's just, uh, we to, I don't know, is it weather related? I have no idea what it is. But thankfully, John O'Halloran from Energy Wise has swapped to WhatsApp. We'll see if that's better. So, John, we've done the beading on all of the walls. It's all been pumped with beads now. So, and then you moved to the attic, and you said you did. You do ext- like one would do extensive insulation to the attic, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and I suppose all this is leading into um, there. That's all uh, fabric first thinking, um, and then that allows. That means your your house your house now should have a a decent energy rate and you're holding that heat. So now you have to look at your heat source. Um, like a heat pump at the moment, you're getting a six and a half thousand euro grant towards towards your heat pump. Um, Everybody which is, which gets is that. Is that the in, case? In fairness, it's a great All a right. great incentive. Okay, we have a time um, delay. There is sorry, criteria no, to yeah, meet. Yeah, we have a time, uh, sorry, we have a time delay on that WhatsApp, so I don't mean to be talking over you. What are the criteria that need to be met to no. get a six and a half euro, six and a half grand grant for a heat pump? So you have to be pre-2021. So if your house is built in 2020 or before it, you you are eligible for uh, a heat pump grant. Okay, okay. Um, that's down, going, down through the individual route. Um, and then I suppose if you're looking at um, also reducing energy costs, PV is another good good option. It's um, There's a lot of talk about PV now at the moment, so... It's there's a 2,400 up to 2,400 euro depending on the size of the system. There's different um, what roof space you have for What's, what for is panels, PV? That's uh, you're talking about solar panel. So you're generating electricity off the solar panel in, on the roof. Okay, okay. So there's a two and a half grand grant for that. When you talk about a six and a half thousand euro grant for a heat pump, right? How much do they cost? Okay. Um, I suppose it depends on the size of the house. It's all individual. So to, to size a heat pump for a retrofit, you have what's... It's going back to that technical assessment I spoke about earlier. You get a HLI figure, which is your heat load indicator. Basically, in simple terms, that's the heat loss from the house. So that gives... Once you have that figure, you you size then the heat pump based on the size on that figure and the size of the house. So it's very difficult to give you a cost but that is like it will be like six and a half thousand will cover a substantial amount of the cost but like what do they so range in cost would it's, they be 10 grand 12 grand 14 16 18 you're looking from eight and a half to to 
12, 14, but then you have to look at your central heating system as well on top of that. So say if you're a heat pump, then you, you might have to change a few reds if you're not getting the, the heat output. But like if you contact us individually, it's very it's very straightforward to get that information across um, on an individual basis. It's, it's, it's uh, sorry, you know, but it is, it is kind of difficult to generalize it, but you are looking between the, from, depends on the size of the house again, from eight and a half up to, up to 12 or gotcha or oh no that's it that answers that the, answers my the, question the other, so, okay. other works that are required okay so so we're looking at um, some kind of uh, substantial grant although I think there's a 100% payment grant yeah, so, for somebody that would be on any kind of um, uh, welfare payment or disability payment yeah correct yeah um, that's that's a different that's another application then altogether, there's a a, a special a, a, a different application for that. It's not as straightforward. You have to approach us individually for that, and we could uh, walk you through the process for yeah. that. No, I know that I also. Know. Yeah, there are there are different. There uh, a, some of them some of them are 100 yeah, percent granted, and others deep. are what they call uh, and then partial. Eighty percent and seventy percent. Yeah. Okay. Partial. Okay. Level, yeah. Okay. All right. So all, all of this is done. Um, and you say, as a typical example, might have a house with a D rating that you want to move up to an A rating. The heat pump then is in and all of the work is done. What would a typical cost be to a homeowner that has to contribute? Um, in which cost now are you talking about? Neil? Well, Sorry, the, you got, the, you got to, get the house from a D. If, I'm just giving a typical example of a burr that was, say, a D or a C, and you wanted to get to an A, and you wanted the beading, and you wanted the attic insulation, and the heat pump, and I don't know, there could be an issue with, with the windows, for instance, that would need changing. Would you be talking about a grant of about 12 grand, but you'd have to pay out maybe 30 grand yourself um, well, kind of thing? Well, I suppose like the windows is your, your 40,000 euros for a detached house on on windows um doors then you have 800 euros per door like um so like there is substantial grant aid for for all all measures each each individual house then is is very specific you know a sliding door is a different price to, to a back door um a single a single back door so the actual cost depends on the the budget of the homeowner themselves yeah I understand. Because I understand. What, yeah. what type of windows do you want? Different different openings. But there are grants for the windows but, and the doors general, as well. There's grants for windows, doors, internal insulation, external insulation, um, solar PV, heat pumps. Um, there's actually a grant towards that that technical assessment I spoke about earlier as well. There's 350 euros towards that. Once the job is complete and you have met the met the measures required, so in fairness to SAI, they have covered they have covered all all bases. Just on just on that topic there with regards to the assessment, because I did contact a company with that in mind, um, but when they, when they came back to me, they wanted five hundred euro. Well, it was eight hundred and fifty euro, of which three hundred and fifty would be paid by SEAI, but they wanted five hundred euro to come to the house to assess it. Is, is that normal? Yeah, that would be normal. But for that, you're getting a full a full assessment on your house and it, it gives you a list of what measures you require to get your house from uh, 
let's say it's called a D, as you mentioned, up yeah. to, uh, let's say, an A2. So I know it sounds like a lot of money up front, but it's a lot better than going in blind and deciding, will I do my insulation will I in the walls? Will I do the attic? And then not knowing, at least when you get your technical assessment done, yeah, you need that to get to qualify for the grants. And so you're getting your money back tenfold. Yes, well, once, well and you're doing all the measures correctly. You know, you know, you're doing it in the right order, and you're getting the you're going to be guaranteed the end result if you do it as per that technical assessment. Because that technical assessment then will come back to you. He'll do a post a post assessment and he will guarantee that all, all your measures and then you'll have an A an A two rated house or an A one or an A three or depends on what well, if you follow the at least you have your you have the guidelines then yes I understand yeah, the yeah, you have to you have to do the legwork first or in at least get the assessment first and it's money well yeah. spent okay no it's fine it's if that's typically normal the way they walk through it, it gives you a plan and then you can go and price your each individual measures Okay, and, and, and you can do that yourself then with the help of you know a one-stop shop that would be coming in to do the work for you. You can pick and choose what you want to do, and the more you do, the higher your burr rating. What kind of savings are made then uh, with regards to energy costs, typically? So I suppose like you're reducing your energy costs, but you're also upping the comfort levels of, of the house. So again, um, it's hard to put figures on it because there's so, every house is different um but you like if you look at pv you're saving you're saving it on your electricity which is works well with the with the heat pump so um and if you upgrade the insulation you're reducing the amount of heat that's required to heat the house so like it's all working in tandem to reduce your energy bills okay so let's um, say you've done all like of that again, would you see how, a 50 percent reduction in your is, would it be 40 60% Um, you're it, like each individual in the individual measure has different different percentages overall. You're probably looking at like a thirty percent uh, reduction, but again, it it's very individualized. Uh, Neil, sorry, it is each in the house, each individual person has different different usages as well. Yeah, we all use different amounts of hot water. So like energy use in is is very a generalized term. It's like how long piece of string for in a lot of terms, but. Yeah. No, my, my worry um, would be that somebody would shell out forty answer, grand. But I wouldn't be t- somebody would shell out forty grand, for instance, of their own money for a thirty percent reduction in bills, would they ever make it back in a lifetime, you know? Well well each individual item has, has proven, I suppose there's a these incentives we put in place. So like they all have, have been have been the, the research has been done to prove that they are more efficient. Yeah. Um yeah. Of, Overall, so like like there's there's a reason I suppose we're moving in in this direction. Yeah, um, good man. Yeah, yeah. So like I would I would be very calm. I actually went through the whole process myself just last year. So I have gone I've gone from uh, a, a D a D rating to an A two um, at home, and I found I found a, a massive difference. I'm very very happy with the system. Um, comfort levels have gone 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 through the roof and. Well, you're talking from experience. That's amazing. My apologies. This is one of the more difficult conversations you will ever have by virtue of the phone call and the delay. So I do appreciate it. What's the wait time then, John, for somebody who wants to get a company to project manage this and go through all of the grant process and indeed the work? 
no, not happening, guys, not happening. I cover an awful lot of ground, and I have to say, in fairness to him, it wasn't the easiest conversation considering the phone quality or the delay, but I have to commend John O'Halloran for the job he did so far. I'll try and get the rest of those questions answered maybe on tomorrow's programme, if indeed the phone lines are any better than today or the last few days, but I do apologise for that. Meanwhile, uh, we have uh, housekeeping by way of competitions and giveaways. I've chosen this song, actually, because it was on this day in 1980, uh, outside the Dakota building in New York City, that John Lennon was shot dead. So this is Christmas. Giveaways this morning include turkey and hams for Jim Crowley Butchers, the Mill Road in Middleton. Congratulations to Michelle Price and Laps Key for that one. And family passes for Fundamania's Christmas Village Experience for Silvio Callan in Bishopstown. We have more then and lots more besides tomorrow. One final call, one final uh, update on uh, calls this morning. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Niall. Do you have a problem with your phone? <laughs> You'd never have guessed. Nay, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you no, because I've done just saying your, your phone. I went in there yesterday, the price of food has gone mad, Nay. <laughs> totally. I went in yesterday and I got a load of um, a half a bag of bollocks. Um, Hello? A ho- half a bag of what? Bollocks. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> honestly, the price has gone up for us all to get the money. Hello? Huh? Am I on? Hello? Go on away, you flute. Oh, man, he winds me up something shocking. It's just one of those days. Tomorrow will be a better day. Friday is always a better day, isn't it? Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. My apologies. I'll pick up on Paula's conversation tomorrow. She had a gas leak, rang the emergency number. They came to cut the gas off, obviously, because of the leak. Uh, she's a council tenant. Uh, they were. She was told to contact the council straight away. Nobody's come anywhere near her, which is extraordinary because the current council has a gas leak on their hands in one of their properties and has done nothing about it since. More on that in the morning. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.